0: Well, probably this thing about touching the borderline from indoor to outdoor, because the first collection we were like having the lounge that became a dining and then, but then in the second collection, lounge becoming dining and also becoming outdoor because it was this thing about people really wanted to be outdoor and maybe you could have something in between. You don't necessarily have a furniture that is just a garden furniture and then a house. And then it was all this discovering how you can do something that works in between.
1: That's Enrico Fratesi, co-founder of interior design studio Gam Fratesi, who, along with his partner Stein Gam, was our special guest for this episode of DesignPod. Designers and architects, wherever you are in the world and however you are listening, welcome to a very special episode of DesignPod where we catch up with the designers behind some of Minotti's most innovative collections to understand the creative process and complexities of designing timeless furniture pieces for the luxury brand. So let's meet them, shall we? So welcome Stein, Gam and Enrico um, Fratesi to the podcast. It's so amazing to have you guys on the podcast. Where are you in the world right now?
0: We're in the studio, in our studio in Copenhagen in Denmark.
1: Brilliant. And you, um, so Stein, you're, you're, a Danish architect and Enrico, you're an Italian architect. So talk us through, um, why the, the, the convergence of, of two cultures and how that kind of changes the way in which you design your products today.
2: <laughs> we met studying architecture. That was, uh, of course, where there was the, the, the we both shared this passion and we met studying. And then of course it was quite amazing to have this, uh, uh, cultural meeting uh, mm-hmm. because we are actually close but not that close when you go to uh, our personality and our backgrounds and I think through the years we find out that we have been really completing each other through this diversity we are very lucky also because both countries Denmark and Italy have a very strong uh, heritage in design and architecture in general and uh, having this meeting together, it was really a, an amazing uh, opportunity to develop ourselves in a very new uh, and uh,
0: a very successful way. Yeah, I think I can even say that uh, the heritage sometimes, I, I remember like some years back when even when we were studying, that was almost becoming a bit like a burden because it was such a strong, especially in Denmark, but I guess it was maybe the same in Italy, like to get forward from all these masters that was signing the history and. And in that sense, I think you're right, we were lucky because somehow someone come from outside and see things in another light and being respectful, but not fearing to somehow to challenge that and to, mm. to build on. So I think in that did, way, we moved some traditions.
1: Did, did that give you the confidence to go against convention? Um, and, and at what point can you go too far away from convention when it comes to furniture design, for example?
0: Yeah, I think we've really, <laughs> really been wanting to be like rebels it's more like we were very respectful but maybe things were not taken for given for both of us so in a sense you always have a discussion coming out of that because one is seeing this as the most natural thing the other one would just see why and then of course you always have a discussion there and then you start to you start to build projects from that
2: Mm. and being of course a couple in life and work there was also that the boundary of working and understanding things were very intimate and that definitely helped us a lot to to go through every detail, every project in a very honest way uh, to each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, you started working with Minotti in 2019, was it? That was, that's right, isn't it? With the, the Angie um, collection and the Shelly. Talk us through those products, but also the, the process and what that was like working with Minotti back then.
2: I think we. I remember when when the we know of course Minotti. We have to say that because it was one of the really important Italian manufacturers. And we know for the history, we know for what they did previously. But it was really nice to enter in the Minotti universe. I mean, being the factory man for the first time, it was really an amazing experience to discover the product, of course, but also the family behind. You know, working together. And I think that was also very special. In a way, there has been many years now, and every year we have been uh, having a new collection together because we find together a nice way of cooperating. Uh, Every time is a very interesting way of working on a new project. And that's also why there's been not only like one collection but has been regular collaboration for some years
1: now. Mm, mm. And, and when you first started working with Minotti what, what was it about the Minotti family um, when when they welcomed you in to design the collection in 2019 and you obviously went to the factories you you were very hands-on with them um, what was it about that connection that really sort of stuck for you?
0: Mm. Yeah, I think for me of course uh, as a Danish it's not it was but it's not that common anymore to have these family companies where you really can feel i mean there's something of course it's also it's something that we know because we're also family somehow working together and you have this extra dynamic kind of and intimacy and i think when you when you can really feel that when you start also because when you start a new project with minotti it's always like a conversation you start to to, to, to just not like oh This is the brief and that's what you're going to do. It's more like you start to talk and all the sketches on the table and it's becoming just a very, very intimate and and dynamic process, I think. And then above of the family, you have all this structure with a lot of also production and craftsmen inside and everybody's involved in the process, which was also for us a very big thing for the process because you can actually do things while you're there. It's not only... Mm. handing in a drawing and then you send it somewhere and coming back you actually change things on the spot and you can have a very good process in that way and very yeah
1: now let's talk about um angie because it's very difficult on a podcast talking about design because there's (laughs) only so much you can you can show but talk to us about the the look and feel of the the product because it's got um, a pretty sort of sleek and slender form to the to that armchair what what how what was the process of designing that and and Explain that product for our listeners who obviously can't see it right now as we're as we're talking.
2: <laughs> I think one little step back was that we have been inviting working with saddle leather. At the time, I mean, we didn't. Have, of course, it was a seating category, but there was not really like uh, uh, how we could express that. And their their suggestion was to work with saddle leather for that collection. And that when you take said leather, it can be really like a material that you can use in several ways. So in one way, we came out with a NG idea. So as you said, it was more sleeky, it was more shaping the material. On the other yeah. way, the leather is also structural. So when we play more like with a, a leather as a structure to hang soft cushions, then the outcome was the, um, the Shelley. So we actually present to family uh, when we uh, met the first time and they like both because they were like, OK, taking their indication, but being expressed the project in two very different ways. So the both product came to life the same years mm-hmm. and they've been uh, uh, both, I think, two amazing collections. So this is, was a little bit the, the, the idea of starting uh, the mm-hmm. uh, collaboration and through the material.
1: And then we move obviously on to 2020. And I love this product, the thin collection. I, I love the detail that clearly gone into even like the armrests and, and how like the details within that. Talk us through the um, the design process for that collection and, and how you wanted to challenge convention. Because I, I, I get the feeling that with your first collection, they, they're beautiful. Um, but obviously you can't you know, challenge the conventions too much within the family because it has to, has to fit within. But I think with the fin, you really were able to to pinpoint your DNA onto that product and that collection, if you don't mind me saying. Um, mm-hmm. What's going through your mind when you were designing that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you can say in the fin collection, there is like a, a clear Scandinavian inspiration. And it's also a more structural product because we're working a lot with the wood structure. So it's still upholstered and you can see this, very Italian and very quality and minotti kind of the the very good cushions but the structure is very visible and it's more thin and less massive and I think that's the Scandinavian part and you have this organic uh, armrest also as you say where the idea was that it's also something that you would always touch the armrest and I think in the Scandinavian furniture culture you always have this wood that you just want to touch again and again and then you actually start also to see that on the furniture so it, over time it's kind of take life and and we had as as inspiration the thing that is organic and you want to touch it
2: Mm. and then of course the armrest was the element which it was so clear that we can bring it in all the collections very Mm. typical in Minotti that you work not only on a Furniture, but we work on a collection to be able to give it a tool to the architect to play in different areas and in different situations. So the armrest is changing a little bit the proportion, but even if you go indoor, outdoor, it was clear that was the fin collection. And I think we like to have this element really, really strong. So we worked a lot on the on the armrest
1: mm. materials. You touched upon it, obviously, with with working with wood. Um, it's it's everywhere at the moment in conversations. You know, interesting materials that we, we wouldn't necessarily work with a few years ago would you say that that wooden furniture is is really having its its day again would you say that it's really sort of coming into light as a trend perhaps yeah, i think
2: in scandinavia it has been always of course quite popular of course, and, yeah. but worldwide we can see that the wood of course is coming back very strongly there is a lot of uh, interest in bringing the nature again i mean especially i mean these two years has been a little bit uh, even more because we really needed to make our home more warm natural and cozy and then of course wood and I think wood and upholstery are also in general the, the area that we, we like a lot personally so I can really understand why the people want to introduce more and more of this material in the in the home
1: mm. And and the latest collection that we we know about is the twenty twenty one collection. And here you you unveiled the the patio collection of outdoor furniture with the with the cords. I love this sofa so much. It's it's in the Monotte London showroom downstairs, and it's an area that really sort of just draws my eye towards. Um, how did you approach this this project? Um, and was the idea always there to to create this cord outdoor furniture, or, or did it kind of evolve? With the times and with, your, with the process working with Monotti? How did that work?
2: Well I think the patio collection of course it was uh, one of the starting point it was to have a system which it could be actually modular in a way that the backrest have a very beautiful attachment which is also at the center of the project. You can position the attachment in different ways and this is not a fixed way so it means that also through the time you're able to change the position of this pack and changing the configuration of your own sofa. This is a little bit the patio idea, the idea that you can have a very intimate way of sitting when you feel it, you know, in this uh, area, which is intimate for family, friends, and we can recreate this architectural environment into a sofa. A challenge was, of course, to using some uh, a very durable material and the, I promise you will see very simple and minimal design, but inside there is so much technology, so many investment by Minotti to make it able to create a sofa which is extremely durable using aluminum together with the softness and the natural look of the cord, of the upholstery. So it was really like a, a very complicated project, but the outcome should always be very simple and elegant. That was for both us and Minotti the uh, the center of
1: the project. Is it challenging as a designer to design a simple and elegant product, but also create a statement? Uh, it is. It is probably
0: the-, the most difficult. <laughs> I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so how, how do you approach that then? What 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 do you? Where are the opportunities uh, in in a product to create it simple yet stand out and long lasting? Because I mean, durability is is one of the Big points and I would just want to say as well with sustainability that it's not talked about enough actually that the durability qualities of furniture I think is much as important if not more important when, when considering materials because it's all very well having a recycled material but you know it's still going to create carbon in the world whereas durable products they stand the test of time so I think design is very much moving towards that you know robust durability and certainly luxury and Minotti's always done that and championed it very well. But yeah, no, talk us about the challenges and how you've overcome that then.
2: Yeah. yeah we're, t- we're totally agreeing on on the way of being sustainable through durability. I mean, there's always one principle that we learn from Danish design, right? You know, it's uh
0: yeah I think it's amazing how some furniture they just go in generations and also the, it's accepted all the patina is almost like it's getting even more value because it's also getting effective and people just see it as a quality and it's also because of course the natural material and and that gets just even more beautiful and it's amazing how things are just it's like piece of hundred years it's still as. As valuable and is also as much appreciated. And that's, of course, very sustainable.
1: Mm, I think it's the appreciation as, as well, side. When,
2: when, when you mentioned simplicity, of course, that was. Yeah. Uh, a lesson that personally I learned a lot in believing and and studying and working in Scandinavia. So of course you put it to principle always when you design the functionality and the simplicity. No matter what is the concept that you have to keep and this is where we try to have the we can say more the Italian part where you always start with a concept and idea. Uh, But it's always very important that we try to bring this concept and principle to the end why you keep simplicity. So the, the idea should not overtake and become too visible or too heavy, but is always having the concept behind in a very subtle way and that in that way you create a space in between where everything is really in harmony but there is always a detail that is making curiosity at that. In that way you have probably a possibility to become a classic I would say in, uh, in that way.
1: How, how many prototypes do you go through in a collection? I mean, we
2: of course, we start always with, with drawing, some sketching, some small model here in studio. But then when we go to a company, of course, there's been many prototypes. And I have to say with Minotti, it's quite impressive the amounts of prototype that they do, both because mm-hmm. they have the capacity, but also because... I think sometimes they also one question that they ask to us is like, what is the secret behind Minotti? Why they are so successful? You know, because it's definitely a very successful company, but it's because they are so passionate. They never stop, and the amount of work and prototype they do is crazy. So at the end, you know, when you arrive to a final model, it's not just because you have been lucky or finding shortcut. You just analyzing all the uh, possibility around, and then you really pick up the most important and, and uh, final, you know, uh, element in the prototype. So coming back to the question, a lot of prototypes, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but it's, yeah, I, I guess when, when you unveil a new collection with Minotti, it's not like that collection is going to be, you know, gone in a year. it's, it's just adds to the family of products that are, are there and becomes part of the legacy. How yeah. does that feel as a designer to, to have that with, with Minotti? Because I think they, they're they really good at championing each designer they work with because they're very selective for obvious reasons. Um, so it's really part, like you are really part of that family. And what does that feel like as a designer?
2: I think it was really interesting and nice to be invited in the Minotti family because it's really like a family, not only because of Minotti, but also because they have a very limited uh, designer around. And uh, they have made an amazing work for many years together with uh, Rodolfo Dordoni, with the uh, collection, the other direction. And when they introduced new designers, I think it was really nice that they have been looking into some um, geographical area and find some designers which are very different from each other. (laughs) And uh, when they have been looking to Scandinavia, we have been invited working in, in, the, in the new collection. And it was very important that we should not lose our personality, the gamfratesi, the origin, but of course should be adapted to the DNA of Minotti, which is really strong. And um, I think that makes us a privilege and also getting very intimate in a way that we collaborated with, uh, with them.
1: Mm-hmm. And so in addition to you um, designing furniture collection for Monotti and, and other brands as well, you are interior designers. One one project that I mean, it just blows my mind when I look at it is the Harlan and Holden glass house that you did, where you really sort of focused on biophilic design. And I guess that kind of leads me into talking about the patio collection, where you also designed that product with with biophilia and, and really bringing the indoors, outdoors and, and vice versa. Is this a a movement in design that we're going to see time and time again and become more creative in the materials that designers use? And what were the challenges in designing that particular area um, within that hospitality space? Lots of questions there. (laughs) So talk to us first about that that space. What was the, um, the, the design inspiration when creating that glass house? Well, I think
2: it's very interesting that we can actually create a space which was almost an indoor-outdoor, you know. And in the Philippines, it's not so common to stay outdoor because of the climate. And even if you think, of course, that is uh, because of the weather condition, but it's extremely hot in most of the time of the year. But it was beautiful to recreate this atmosphere. And I think this is also what we try to do with the contemporary design, with the modern design here, which every time we do the collection, it's never like an indoor or outdoor. We both work in two directions and it's because the boundary between these two areas is quite open and it's, not, it's very interesting that you can actually move the furniture and you can move view different functions through these two areas. The glass house, it was, that was the meaning. I mean, to create something which looks outdoor, but is of course an indoor uh, space and also recreating the feeling of the nature inside. I think it was uh, very important with, both with the colors and the material.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The colors, I mean, they're just so organic and so earthy. I think it's... Um... It's it's fantastic. Does the same process go through your mind when you're designing spaces as you would design pieces? Or is is it different? And how is it different, if so?
0: I think it's definitely when you when you do a piece of furniture, you always have this thing about the durability, because it's kind of you also make a piece that you would like to last. And then you also have to have different parameters because you also have to support it for many years so you can't get too expressive because then you would get tired, but you still have to get that emotional so you get in love with it When so you would like to have it. And I think with, with an interior and even more with exhibition design, which lasts even shorter, you can be a bit, bit more expressive because it's like a sh- short-term kind of durability so you can be a little bit more expressive in yes. that sense. mm
1: mm-hmm. And, and in general, um, we're, we're living in a landscape that's quite challenging, I think, just in regards to the way in which people's behaviours are changing from, from the pandemic, perhaps. Um, what's the biggest challenge that you think designers are facing right now?
2: I think we, we always try to work very much on behaviour. Uh, I mean, in, when we approach furniture, sometimes the product and the function is not revolutionary but the way you're using is very different uh, we have of course we have a design studio we're a couple and we always been able to work not only in studio but even at home we always bring the work at home and uh, you
1: shut off or yes, yeah, it, so yeah, a yeah. lifestyle <laughs> yeah.
2: so it's been quite common for us to also, for example, working from home, but lately for some people is something extremely new. They've been able to, to work at home while they were always used to go to office and they never touched anything at home, you know, in regards to works. So it means the function also, they change the way they rearrange the hours they change. So for some people, maybe not us, but it's something very different. They're living now. That means that also the furniture they're using at home, they probably have a very different function than before. Uh, So not changing in material, not changing in in style, but changing in functionality and and the way they're using it. So it's something that we have to take in consideration without losing, of course, our principle. Uh, But Mm -hmm. uh, we think that can be an opportunity where you start to have your uh, work, or for example, an online meeting, and that will affect, of course, while you uh, rearrange in the, the house or your personal space.
1: That's really challenging because I think design evolves slowly and gradually and meaningfully, whereas the behavior has changed very drastically. So does that mean that design will have to follow the lines of of drastic change, or do you think it will be a slow evolution into a new era?
2: I think, you know, one new era would be, for me, there's been like three big periods. The, pre- the, the first period was like the traditional, where you go to work and everybody's actually investing in offices. The second area, which has been at this couple of years, has been a lot of focusing on the home. I think that that what will come next, we'll have to have some a lot of hybrid spaces in the city or, you know, that have been not completely made for work. And it's not a co-working space, but I think... There will be hotel, there will be a restaurant, there will be cafe which allowed you people to have meeting there, which will allow people to have a space which is not fully the function that's been created, but it can be a sharing space where everybody will benefit. People will meet there, will be a social places. There will be a place for community, but um, we can't, of course, we can adapt to everything. We can, of course, work online every day. But I think we always don't have to forget to be too focused now on that, that we'd be lazy on that. I think we we'll still have to keep open to, to meet, to travel, because this is also what uh, is our, uh, I think, mission in life is to meet in real spaces. Yeah. <laughs> so we have yeah. to create spaces which will be, of course, not like a traditional office, but will be space for people uh, mm. in the real life.
1: Mm. And. Okay, so from 2019, when you first started working with Minotti to now, and we we don't know what you're working on next, which is going to be my next question. But how has um how, what what's changed within how you approached your project in 2019 with Angie and Shelley to the the products that you developed um, last year in the patio collection and the the Lido collection? How, how did your mindset change on both? What was the biggest change?
2: I think it's. If I look back to all the collection, it's, it's a continuous development, you know, what we're doing. So it's always touching area that we haven't touched or in a different way. For example, the year before it was, as we said, with Finn, it was very much wood. This time it was aluminum, you know, so it was in...
0: Well, probably this thing about touching the borderline from indoor to outdoor, because the first collection mm. we were like having think, the lounge that became a dining. And then, but then in the second collection, lounge becoming dining, and also becoming outdoor because... It was this thing about people really wanted to be outdoor and maybe you could have something in between you don't necessarily have a furniture that is just a garden furniture and then a house and then it was all this discovering how you can do something that works in between so that was probably Mm. the biggest difference probably yes Mm.
1: And uh, Minotti are very closed. They're not allowed to tell us anything that what's to come next. The next collection is, I think, it's dropping in June. Uh, the 2022 collection. But as a studio, what what are you working on right now, and, and what can we expect from you next?
2: I mean, of course, we are working as well with the, with the development with Minotti. And as you say, they always like to surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so we even record there, I can't say anything. <laughs> but, but Of course, we, we are working on several projects. This is always very interesting to come to Salone. I think there's been some challenging lately to have this uh, regular appointment, but I think it's always very interesting to go in Milano and uh, present all the work that we have done for, for basically uh, an year or more.
1: Brilliant. Well, I will be in Milan this year, so we'll have to catch up and, uh, and see the collection in person. You'll have to see my, my um, expression and my reaction to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, in each uh, episode of Design Pod, we, we go through a quick fire round. It's just short, sharp answers. Don't worry, I'm, I'm not prepared either. So, first things first, what was your first job?
2: I mean, when I was very, very young, uh, like a kid, I'm coming from a seaside city. So I was lo- working by the beach and it was very, very beautiful, uh, I think,
1: that time. <laughs> what were you doing as a lifeguard? A lifeguard, yeah. <laughs> oh, not, not saving people, but helping the, the lifeguard. So almost. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. And, and you, yes. Stein?
0: Yeah, I was, of course, I was young here in Copenhagen. So I was also, as a very young like, student, I was working in a carpenter actually workshop where they were doing all the Wagner classics. So helping out cutting wood and doing that.
1: Oh, that leads me really nicely onto my next question so um you both work in copenhagen what is it about the city that that makes it home
2: i think for me it's not my city but it's very easy that you feel at home because of the human scale you know uh, it's it's fantastic to go around and uh, there is a definitely a very nice environment only issue is the weather but uh, i think i survived on on that and is your sure. city
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. I love the um the, the cafe culture in in Copenhagen. Everyone's just having coffee all the time. All <laughs> yes, the time. <laughs> and, that's, and that's
2: true. You know?
1: <laughs> so we know about your studio. We know about the collection. Describe your home to us in in a vibe. What's the vibe in your home? Is it prototypes is everywhere?
2: White Scandinavian <laughs> with some uh, Italian influence in that. But we we are living in our old. Uh, apartment uh, which is beginning of the century so very typical Scandinavian with uh, very warm wooden floor, eye panels, stook. so that's uh, we we like that to have this old frame but then of course the the furniture is a combination between gamfratesi, some dear pieces, some Italian pieces. Yeah
0: in a way like we wanted to be more minimalistic but we're also collectors so we have like a lot of pieces it's very personal and it's also kind of casual in the same time
1: we're lovely. still family so <laughs> yeah that's lovely i always expect i always um want to, an answer to come back at some point being it's a very cluttered it's it's awful it's not designed at all with these beautiful <laughs> designers massive juxtaposition but that would never be the case with you two <laughs> now that we're um traveling again which is a wonderful part of, of life now where's next on your travel bucket list where do you want to go to next
0: I think the only place we've actually been going back and forward from Denmark to Italy because it is our second home of course and we also and then I think thinking a little bit more travelling traveling. I think we really miss to go to Japan where we also have a lot of work and a lot of friends
1: because you guys you, you both um, did a you have a lot of experience working in Japan don't you because you, you worked in studios out there what was it what what did you learn most from, from Japanese culture in, in design
2: I think you even live there before we meet each yeah. other studying architecture so yeah i
0: work there in an architect studio and yeah. yeah i think definitely the the sense of time and the sense of patience and that you have time enough to do quality instead of rushing that was mm,
1: that's a really nice yeah. lesson yeah.
2: Mm. yeah we've been mm. working for many many years with the uh, with Armes. we're still doing and uh, so we regular, we were used to travel three, at least three, four times a year. And uh, for, of course, following the work. And then after the work, we usually try to steal a few days after just to keep it for us and traveling around. Mm-hmm. And that was something that we definitely missed because, uh, as Tina said, that there is a, a special way of uh, taking time for yourself, for studying when, when you are in Japan. And it's just a city of contrast in somehow, some way or so ectic, you know and chaotic the other side is completely meditative and I think it's a, a very special way of approaching life in, in the time.
1: And my final question is just in a word sum up or a sentence a word's quite harsh um, in a sentence sum up your relationship and what it's like being in the family of Minotti.
2: I think it's the, they have an honest passion on design and that I think what made this company so successful and be able to be every year building a huge collection and uh, being new every time, I think it's not because it's driving only by a commercial idea, but I think from a really passion on design that they have and they sharing every day. And I think this is a value that uh, you really need to have it inside. You do not just can create it. So I think I'd say it a little bit more by one sentence, But I think this is what I think is is their main uh, and strong power. And then another thing they have is a lot of professionality. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that uh, they work on design, but they work very hard to make this design uh, very unique and very special.
1: Thank you so, so, so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure and I'm such a fan of your work. So thank you so, so much.
2: Thank you for inviting. It's been really nice to have this conversation. Yes, definitely. You're so welcome.
1: How amazing are Stein and Enrico, and what a design duo they are. I can't wait to see their work in the 2022 collection by Minotti, which drops later this year over in Milan. And I'm really looking forward to following Gamfratesi's journey as the studio continues to make beautiful products and curate awe-inspiring spaces around the world. Well, what can I say? That does bring us to the end of Design Pod Series 2. Like all good things, this must come to an end. I hope you've enjoyed these cluster of episodes as much as I have making them and the world renowned designers and architects who have joined us on this journey. It's been incredible. If you want to keep up to date with the latest hotel design and architecture news, features and reviews, you can do so by heading over to hoteldesigns.net. And you can follow me behind the scenes of my next adventure over on Instagram at HotelDesignEditor. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. I'd like to thank my co-host, Harriet Ford, for being so bubbly and enthusiastic along the way. I'd like to thank my producer, Sam Prosser, and the entire production team at Cube for piecing together these episodes so delicately. We're incredibly grateful for Monotti London for being such a comfortable and fun sponsor. And finally, I want to end by thanking you, the listeners, for your support and kind messages along the way. We will be back with Series 3 in the not-too-distant future, but for now, keep well, stay safe, always choose creativity over the conventional, and I'll see you again for more episodes very soon.